0: Acts chapter 4 is where we'll be for just a few minutes this morning. Acts chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about this subject. I want to paint a picture for you. And I want you to think about this idea. The church of irresistible influence. The church of irresistible influence. That was one of the first books that I read as a seminary student prior to becoming a pastor. And that book impacted me so much. How can a church build bridges into its community? How can a church be so significant, transformative in its city that its influence cannot be denied and cannot be resisted? When I read that book, I began to think and pray about how I could be a pastor who would lead a church to make such an impact in its city and its community that that impact could not be denied and could not be resisted. And so I want to thank you as a church For following the plan and the path that God's word has set before us. As we seek not just to be a hotel for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Not just a cruise ship where all of us are comfortable, but a battleship that does war against an unseen enemy who desires to destroy each and every one of us. And so as a church, we're called not just to minister to one another, to serve in ministry in the church, We're called to serve in mission beyond the church. That is the task that we've been given as the people of God. Today, the Church of Irresistible Influence, Acts chapter 4. We'll talk about the whole chapter, but I'm going to read some selected scriptures. Follow along with me in the Bible, and the words will be on your screen. Look at verse 12 and verse 13 in Acts chapter 4. The Bible says, and there's salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Look at this. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Move down to verse 19. But Peter and John answered, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Go on to verse 20. For we cannot speak of that which we've seen. We cannot help but speak of that which we've seen and heard. Verse 31, move down. And when they had prayed and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Look at verse 33. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. Remember the powers and the perfect word of God. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a church that has irresistible influence in its community. When you hear the word irresistible, what do you think of? When you hear that word irresistible, what do you think of? Some of you think chocolate is irresistible, right? The ooey gooey goodness, especially that nasty dark chocolate stuff. Some of you really like that. I do not That's just not my thing, all right? Chocolate's not my thing. Now, if you want to talk about something that's irresistible, you know where I'm going with this, right? Krispy Kreme, (laughs) right? That is absolutely, 100%, totally irresistible. It is incredible, amazing. Some of you, from the looks of your Facebook timeline and Instagram posts and Twitter posts, you believe that selfies are irresistible, Every day, every hour, taking a picture, now with the filters on there with a puppy dog face or all kinds of stuff. I get it. I understand. It's absolutely irresistible. Some of you, checking your text messages and your Twitter timeline and making grocery lists while I'm preaching is irresistible. Right, you're like, how did he know about that? I see you out there. While I'm preaching, that's absolutely irresistible. Or, or here's something that some of you would find irresistible. Check the screens. Watch this. Oh, yeah. Here's another one. And another one. Yeah. That is enough puppy dog pictures in church, all right? Some of you think that those little rat dogs like that are irresistible. Um, those things might as well be a cat as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Isn't there a song that talks about someone being simply irresistible? You've heard that before too, right? Now, don't raise your hand. But what if you would say, I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a person of faith that is absolutely irresistible in my faith and in my communication of the word God. Of God, what, what if we could bring an influence in our community that could not be denied? Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't it be amazing to be a church like that? The book of Acts shows us, Acts chapter 4, we see that. Number one, I want you to notice the disciples were transformed from fear to boldness, from fear to boldness. What happened? The disciples, after Jesus died, they were cowering in the corner. They were afraid. They scattered everywhere. In fact, Peter even denied the Lord. They did not know what to do. After the crucifixion, they ran in fear. But in Acts chapter 1... Jesus says you'll receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God comes, and what happens? Those disciples that were cowering in fear are now empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, walking courageously in boldness. Now, they didn't have all the advantages that modern churches have. They didn't have big budgets. They lacked credentials. In fact, most of the apostles had been in prison, so they probably wouldn't even be selected to serve as pastors or even be members of the churches that we have today. But what they did have was the anointing of the Spirit of God in their lives and on their hearts. And what they did experience was a mighty, powerful work of God. Their influence could not be denied. Verses 7 to 12. Read with me. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? The religious leaders are freaking out because Peter and John had healed a lame man right outside the temple. And instead of rejoicing, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to dissect this and figure out what happened. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, Whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you all. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. You see what happens? When the anointing of the Spirit of God comes upon a person, Peter, who was outside the courtyard when Jesus was being questioned, denied and even cursed when he was asked if he was a follower of Christ, now stands up to those same people and says, This same Jesus whom you crucified. Transformed from fear to boldness. In fact, in verse 13 it says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. From fear to boldness. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Now, this is, this is going to be a participation question, okay? I know you're Baptist, but you can raise your hands higher than this, all right? So I want to see hands high. What, what are you afraid of? How many of you would say you're afraid of bugs, spiders and crickets and cockroaches? All right. Okay. All right. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you are afraid of the dark? You're afraid of the dark. You still got to sleep with a nightlight, you know? Uh, be honest. Be honest. Afraid of the dark. I'm not going to turn the lights off in here, don't worry, don't worry. How many of you are afraid of heights? Let me see your hands, heights. You know, when, when, when the Bible Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, you're like, that's right. Anytime you're flying, that doesn't mean you're afraid of heights. We got a lot of people afraid. Here's one of the number one, the, one of the number one fears in all the world. How many of you are afraid of public speaking? Raise your hand. I think heights beat public speaking here. Um, interesting, interesting. Here's mine. Y'all know, right? I am afraid of snakes. Anybody else afraid of snakes? We found a snake in our shop the other day about spoken tongues. It was crazy. It's awful. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. Now, don't, don't raise your hand for these, but how many of us are afraid to be bold about our faith. We're we're afraid to stand up for the Word of God. We're afraid what other people might think of us. How many of you are afraid for other people to know that you believe the Bible, that you know Jesus? You see, when, when you become a church of irresistible influence, it's filled with people who are no longer afraid, but they are bold in their faith. We won't cower in the corner in fear, but we will march out of these walls with boldness and courage to communicate the the life-changing, eternity-altering message of Jesus Christ. Number two, transform from silence to speech transformed from fear to boldness, transformed from silence to speech. So the people were amazed at what God was doing. The disciples who ran in fear and hid in locked rooms now began to proclaim boldly the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look back at verse 4, many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000 people. 5,000 people believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, Peter and John had healed this lame man near the temple. And the Bible says the religious leaders were greatly annoyed. That's an understatement. They were mad. Because Peter and John weren't abiding by the rules and principles that their religious traditions set forth. But instead of cowering in the corner once again, Peter and John and the apostles stand up to proclaim the message of salvation. Check out verse 15 through 20 and look at what it says. But when they commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, What shall we do with these men? This is the religious leaders trying to figure out what to do with these people who are absolutely radical about Jesus. For that a notable sign has been performed through them Is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem And we cannot deny it But in order that it may spread no further among the people Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name So they called them and charged them not to speak Or teach in the name of Jesus But Peter and John answered them Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God You must judge For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard What are they saying? We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. In other words, we can't help but talk about what Jesus has done. We can't help but proclaim how our lives have been changed and how he healed this lame man. The Bible says we cannot but speak of what Jesus has done what we've seen, what we've heard. They, they were so thrilled about Jesus, they just couldn't keep their mouths shut. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine a young man getting down on one knee, opening the box, and asking his girlfriend, will you marry me? And she says, ah, you know, yes! And they get up, and she puts the ring on her finger, and they're so excited, but then they say, but don't tell anyone. Come on, right? That's Facebook official in under ten seconds. <laughs> C- could you imagine football team winning the state championship? You know, some of them said, "Yeah." You know, you imagine winning the state championship, but then all your coaches and all the players get together. And say, but but we don't really want anybody to know. For real. Could you imagine receiving this incredible gift from someone? Say, hey, thanks a lot. I really do appreciate this. I'm just not going to tell anyone about it. It doesn't work like that, right? That's not the way. When you're excited about something... You want to proclaim. You want to speak. You want to be bold in your speech about what's been done. The same thing is true with Jesus. Those of you who made decisions at FCA camp, let me challenge you. Don't keep it to yourself. Yes? Yes? It is a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not private. It is a public transformation. What happens in your life, it changes who you are from the inside out. And so here, the disciples are transformed from silence to speech proclaiming the word of God. Believers are afraid of sharing their faith. You know, we talk about in churches, man, what happens the day when it's outlawed to share your faith? What happens then? But the reality is most Christians live like it is already. We already act like it is, like we can't share the message, like we don't want to speak up. We're ashamed of the gospel, whereas Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. If you love Jesus, if you've been transformed by the gospel, what are you ashamed of? A church of irresistible influence will be a church that boldly proclaims the truth of the word of God. Number three transform from weakness to strength, from weakness to strength. I want you to remember there's nothing extraordinary or incredibly special about the apostles. In fact, Jesus intentionally picked people who were outcasts. He intentionally picked people who were looked down upon from society. He intentionally picked people who really didn't have a whole lot of credentials and didn't fit the religious mold. That's the kind of people Jesus picked to be his disciples. People that you would not expect. So here they are. You you need to remember, what made the apostles special is not their resume, their experience, their education, or their credentials. What made the apostles special, what made this church special, was that they were completely surrendered to the will, the plan, and the purpose of God. And when a church gets over itself... And decides we are going to be completely surrendered to the will, the plan, and purpose of God no matter what. When we completely surrender ourselves to God's plan for His church, we will see the might and the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God as we've never seen before. That's the kind of church God wants us to be. Completely surrendering to his will. The Bible says, verses 24 to 30 records this prayer of Peter, the prayer of the apostles, prayer of John, that God would fill them with power, that fill them with boldness. And the Bible says as they gathered together, they continued to speak his word with boldness. Verse 31, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You see that description of a church that lives under the power, the anointing and the presence of Almighty God. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher of a previous generation, when asked to explain the secret of his remarkable ministry, do you know what he said? My people pray for me. My people pray for me. Augustine said pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. Prayer is not an escape from responsibility. Prayer is our response to God's ability. Prayer is recognizing that we have the eternal God, the one who loves us, who created us, who saved us, who redeems us, who offers to us the power that we need to accomplish His purpose if we will surrender and walk forward in faith. Prayer connects us to a holy God. Can I just tell you this morning, the name of Jesus Christ has not lost its power. The Holy Spirit of God has not retired from His responsibilities. What happened in Acts chapter 4 as the people of God were of one heart and one soul came together in unity? What happened in Acts chapter 4? The Bible says the Spirit of God today can work and move and draw us together to accomplish His purpose and His goals. That's what we ought to be. Someone said nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. Whatever God calls you to, He will equip you to accomplish. The weak become strong in the name of Jesus. Those who have nothing find everything at the foot of the cross. Those with sketchy backgrounds, no credentials, jail sentences, struggles, issues, problems, when they come to Jesus, they find the strength and the hope and the life they're looking for. That's what happened when the apostles found Jesus. Everything was changed. And a church that's going to be a church of irresistible influence will be a church filled with people who are no longer weak but were strong in Jesus' name. God gives you a boldness that you can't have on your own. See, the reality is, when we, when we walk with the Lord and experience His grace in our lives, God gives us a boldness to stand up for His truth. You fear God, you don't have to fear people. But if you don't fear God, you're going to live in fear of people. Here they are. They're transformed Given power, Jesus had promised in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power and the Spirit of God has come upon you. And this is exactly what we see here in Acts chapter 4. The same Holy Spirit that filled the apostles fills every believer at the point of salvation. You have in your heart, in your life, the Holy Spirit of God. What is it? How does someone who is weak become strong? Well, we got some football coaches here and they could probably come up and tell you. How do the weak become strong? How you take a a freshman, teach them how to lift weights and get ready to play ball. And then we've got some other folks here who maybe teach some exercise classes. And you say, how do the weak become strong? How do weak become strong? You know how? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. You know, some of you crazy CrossFitters out there, you know who you are. You're the ones that don't stop talking about CrossFit ever, Right? Some of you crazy crossfitters out there, how do the week become strong? Because you're flipping tires and throwing cinder blocks and hanging from your toes from the ceiling, right? That's how the week becomes strong. How do the week become strong? You don't show up at True Fit one week and the next week you're right where you want to be, right? True Fitters doesn't happen like that. What, what does it happen? It takes time. It takes endurance. But here's the beauty of this. That's the way it is physically, Right? You don't just hop up from being a couch potato and have a six-pack next week. It doesn't work like that. But when it comes to the, the things of God, he can take someone who is absolutely, totally inept, no abilities, no credentials, no power, completely and totally weak, and when the Spirit of God enters that person and that person is fully surrendered, the weak becomes strong immediately. Immediately. There's no regimen. There's no exercise. Yes, you've got to grow in faith and you've you've got to develop deep roots, but He can take the weakest of the weak and grant them power through His glorious might. So folks, just like you, just like me, can do for God above all we could ever even imagine as long as we live surrendered to his plan and his purpose. So what does it mean for the church to be a church of irresistible influence? To have an impact on its community and its city that cannot be denied. What does it mean? It means that the believers in that church are so surrendered to the will and purpose of God that we no longer care for our own wants, wishes, or desires, but we are willing to sacrifice to see people come to Jesus. No longer about my comfort or who sat in my seat, but it's about who can I ask to come sit in my seat? I can find another place to go. We ought to be completely surrendered to his purpose. And what happens in our lives when we do? We're completely and totally transformed. So a church that transforms its city by the power of God is a church that's full of Christians who've been transformed by the Holy Spirit.